Hello and welcome back to the Audio DT with Reb T, the Audio Devar Torah with Reb T, the show where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We're looking at Chayasara. We're going to look at Ger V'sosha V'anochi Imachem, this phrase in the beginning of the Parsha, God willing with the help of some sources from Chabad and Jufak and Sepharia and Torah.org. So in this Parsha, the great Sar Imenu dies, of course the Medrash and Rashi point out that Vayer and Chayasara are, are juxtaposed, put next to each other, because Chayasara heard from the Satan that the words was that uh, Yitzchak died almost, and then she died, she couldn't handle that, she thought he died, and right after the Akedah she dies, that's why they weren't present, Avraham and Yitzchak, at her death, and they had to come to find that she wasn't around, that's the explanation that would make sense, why they weren't there why they weren't present. So Avram has to figure out how to bury her. Even though he was a prince of God and did so much, he had to haggle over the burial with the greedy Ephraim. The Pasuk says, Ger imachem in Chav Gimel Dalid, Perak Chav Gimel Pasuk Dalid, I'm a stranger and a resident amongst you. Give me burial so I may bury my dead before you. He had to haggle over the burial with this greedy Ephron, opposite of, of Avraham. Avraham says to the people, the Bnei Chait, or whoever's around, I want to purchase a burial plot for my wife. I want to have the best of the land, the place to bury her. The Ma'aratamachpela, why is it called double because of the couples that will be there, or the land was doubled over? But Avraham tells them, and, these, and Ephron says in front of everybody, no problem, we'll give you the burial plot. But then you see a few psukim later, Ephraim says to Avraham, probably in private without anybody else around, ah, between us friends, 400 silver shekels, what is it? What what of it? Nothing crazy. You give me the 400 shekels, I'll give you this burial plot. Keep in mind, Avraham's not buying a palace. Avraham's not buying a house or a mansion or a park or anything. He's trying to buy a burial plot. And this Ephraim, this guy, who was just appointed that day for the sake of Avram's honor, Rashi points out, he has to weigh out 400 silver shekels. I once heard that, uh, I don't know which commentator, which rabbi said this, that in nowadays currency, that was millions of dollars for a burial plot. Millions of dollars. But Avram did it without a second's thought notice. Avram waited out in the currency in front of everybody, one of the few places in Tanakh that it's undisputed that the land of Israel was bought for a fair price for a fair sale. Another one of them is David buying the, the plot of the of Har Hamariah for the Beit HaMikdash. And I forget where the other one, but for sure here is one of them, Avram's buying it out. And it's interesting to think, before we even talk a little bit about the phrase, Ger of a stranger as a re- and a resident, Avram is the opposite of Ephron. Avram says to the guests, the strangers that he had in last week's Parsha, come have a little bit to eat and drink. Do you know what he does for them? He slaughters an entire calf, a whole cow just for the tongue. He makes them milk or whatever. He gives them cream or or all these delicacies. He said so little, just come for a little bite to eat. He gave them a lavish feast. Ephron says, I'll give it to you. He doesn't even do that much. He's the opposite. He says, a lot, but
but does a little. And more harbevi say ma'at. We have to be the opposite. And more ma'at, say a little bit. say harbe and do a lot. Be like Avram, say a little bit. But go if Sadim, go much more beyond that. Do much more beyond that. Rashi points out, Avram wait out to Ephron. Ephron is spelled without a vav because he promised much but did not do even a little bit. He promised the cave as a gift but took a great deal of money for it. For he took from him large shekels, centenaria, worth 100 smaller shekels, each of them, which is a very expensive thing, 400 times 100, really 4,000, which is so much money, as it is stated, accepted by the merchant. They are accepted as a full shekel everywhere, for some places of large shekels, centenaria, centeniers, or centeniers in Old French, 100 unit weights, from Genesis Rabbah, Bereshit Rabbah. So first Ephraim offers this as a gift for his friend in front of everybody, but later he haggles privately with Avram for the exorbitant sum of 400 silver shekels, probably cost millions nowadays. Shows his true personality in the private conversation. In front of others he puts on a show, like a real stranger to Avram. He pretends to be a friend, but in real life he's not even a friend. He puts on this show, he acts like a stranger amongst Avram, not giving him the proper honor, the proper respect. He's the prince of Hashem. He's like a king, Avraham. He changed the entire world. Avimelech recognized this. So many people other than Ephron recognized that Avram was a true Evid Hashem, a true prince. He didn't even give him the real ability to act to him like a real nice person, but acted strangely to him. We must realize this happens all around us all the time. People act like strangers to us. People act strange to us. People act mean to us and harsh to us. You don't even have to go back in history so many years, not even a century ago, Yamach Shemam Vezichram, the horrible, horrible people in World War II, the Holocaust, they changed their outlook. They acted so strange and, and virulently and violently towards us. They used to be our quote-unquote friends, but they turned over the day later to act so strange in such a horrible, horrid way. And they, they, they made us feel like strange. They put the yellow stars on us. They wanted us to feel bad. They wanted us to feel like lowlifes when they were the ones acting against the nature of a basic human being. They were acting like a stranger to the human race. They were acting like virulent animals to the human race. People want us to feel strange. People want us to feel like outcasts when really we are the ones carrying the mission of Hashem. We are the ones that are supposed to be Orla Goyim, but people make fun of us. People make us feel strange. People try to act strange towards us, but we can't let that get to us. We must stand up and fight for what we believe in. Learn from Avram, who was against the whole world. He was called Ev Avram Evet Ivri. Not Evet Ivri, excuse me. Avram Ivri. Why was he called Ivri? Because he was on one side of the world, one side of the river, metaphorically. The whole rest of the world was on the other side of, of belief. They all were polytheists. They believed in many gods. Avram was the only one standing up for the one true God, Hashem. The one true King. He was the Ivri. They might have made him feel strange, but Hashem... Avraham knew Hashem was the only one he did not feel strange, made other people feel strange for not acting the right way towards Hashem. It happens to us all the time. People denigrate Israel. People denigrate the Jewish people. People make fun and, and act out towards the Jewish people and our mission. Don't let people make us feel strange. 
We are not strangers to the right way of life. We are living the right way of life with the Torah, mitzvahs, and chesed. Other people are trying to make us feel strange. They act like strangers to us when really they are the ones acting strange. Their lack of morality, the lack of basic decency that's so prevalent nowadays with the lack of modesty, the lack of proper honor, the lack of proper basic decency, proper morals, proper elements of having the proper aspects of being a real human, understanding the real relationship between a man and a woman, the real relationship that's supposed to be around amongst all humans is so lacking. It's such a strange time we live in and people don't understand, not even talking 2020 pandemic, just talking how society is so warped. People give so much more credence, so much more love to animals, to pets, than human beings. It's so crazy. My, we, Many, very often I wonder, and I talk about it with others, even my wife, where is the direction of society going? You know, if so many things are allowed, what's going to be next? Allowing to be married a pet, God forbid? You see the Hamas, you see the, the basic lack of normal decency that was prevalent in the times of the flood. Hashem wiped out the world because there was crazy acts that were against the nature of the human. So we have to watch out and understand where the strange acts are really coming from. We're not the strangers. The ones around us are the real strangers. We have to understand they're acting strange. They're projecting onto us what they're doing. They're displacing their strangeness, trying to put it on us. Like someone comes home after a long day of work and is furious with his boss. He yells at his wife. Who yells at the kids? Who kicked the dog? What's going on here? Why is there so much transference? Where is all this anger coming from? Really, he's angry at the boss, but he couldn't take it out of the boss. Who takes it out of the wife? And the wife then takes it out of the child, and the child takes it out of the dog, and it just will be a never-ending cycle until someone stands up and says, Enough! Enough already. This must end now. There's so much displacement, so much strangeness in society until someone stands up and says, Die! Enough! This has to stop now. This must end now. Where is the morality? Where is the basic human decency? Where is the faith in humankind? We're such a corrupt, morally decrepit, lacking modest society there's so much affluence and so much chasing falsehood there's so much materialism there's so much shallowness and and what chase what is chase's beauty is such wrongness and such lies such shakar someone has to stand up we have to stand up as the jewish people and say enough this is it this is very strange this cannot be how we will live you might want to feel a certain way, but understand what's really strange. It's against the nature of the human to act in such a way. We should stand up and say in a, in a loving, proper way. We shouldn't want to hurt other people or destroy other people. We want them to do tshuva. They, we want them to come back to the right way. Hashem talks about Himself. I don't want to destroy the sinner. I don't want to kill the sinner. I want them to recognize the folly of their ways and come back to the fold. We also must remember a different element of the stranger. We see Gerva Sosha what does it mean that I'm a stranger amongst you? You make me feel strange amongst you. You're taunting me. You're, you're mocking me. You're making me feel strange. Why are you doing this to me? But there's another element to the stranger. We must remember that we are strangers in this world. And we are strangers in our lands of exile. We must remember our place to really live and how to live. 
we think about the fact that we're living in Gaulus. This is not the end-all, be-all. This is not the normal functioning society. It's not normal to live without the Beis HaMikdash. We haven't had it for 2,000 years, but it shouldn't feel normal to lack Hashem's presence in the world. It should not feel normal that there's such hester him, that there's such hiddenness of Hashem. If we lived in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, we could feel Hashem's presence everywhere, always. It wouldn't be difficult to find it. Obviously, one of the challenges of our generation, of course, is to look for Hashem in the hidden, to find Hashem in the hidden, but it was so much easier to feel His presence when it was open amongst us. All the miracles that happened in the Beit HaMikdash, all the wonderful things that happened in the Beit HaMikdash. We have to realize we're living in very strange times, not just because of Corona, not just because of the pandemic in 2020. It's very strange that religion is molecule, is ridiculed, excuse me. It's very strange that to have a proper, upright way of life is mocked and ridiculed. They say that in the end of days, people won't respect each other. People won't respect the elders, and the elders will try to honor the youngers and Unfortunately, we see that very often nowadays. We should be Zolcha that Mashiach and the Beis Midrash comes today without any craziness involved, but we should realize that this is not the normal way. We're supposed to respect our elders, respect the sages, give credence to the fact that, that there's so many great people in the world, and unfortunately, just this week, we lost so many of them. We lost Rabbi Feinstein, we lost, we lost Rabbi Sachs, great leaders that even a lot of the world understood. But there's a, there's a, there's a two-facedness. When people tell us that we're not allowed to eulogize people, even when we're doing it safely in a right way, but people are allowed to riot and do violent things and have parties for, for Narshkai, for craziness, for for horrible ideals, but you can't eulogize a person, that's very strange, and that's very backwards, that's very hypocritical, and that's a very double standard. That is what is very strange. We should realize this is not our land. This is not where we're supposed to be. This is not how we're supposed to live. Learning about Xmas is not normal, especially if it's in a time where it has no relevance and it is not really shy and not proper to learn about it all. That's why I always wonder, working for the city this time of year, coming up to the winter in a little while, is very, very peculiar because they talk about crazy things. They talk about Xmas and they talk about Kwanzaa. That's not a normal thing. That's a strange thing to have me hear about and to see why are they not teaching about Hanukkah? That is the most amazing holiday, in my opinion. It's my favorite holiday of the entire year. Hanukkah itself talks about how the world is dark, how we're supposed to bring light, bring the candle to the world, bring the elements of truth. One candle can banish the darkness. That's why I believe Hanukkah is during the deepest, darkest, coldest time of the year, because that's when the warmth of the candle, the warmth of our tradition, the warmth of the beauty of how we rose up and stood up to the strangeness of around us, to the Hellenists, the Greeks, and nowadays Rome, Edom, around us. Stand up to the morally decrepit world. Understand that it's so strange. It's not the right place for us to live. We should be Zolcha to get to Israel, have Mashiach and Beis Hamikdash speed in our days, but realize this is not the end all and be all. We're not supposed to be happy in this land fully. We're not supposed to be fully happy and complacent here and, and, and be sad to leave it. Why are we sad to leave a land that's not our own? We're so bogged down by the material 
we're so bogged down by how beautiful our house is, our car is, that we can't leave and go to Israel where we're supposed to belong to begin with? What does Hashem have to do, God forbid, to make us need to go there? The people for thousands of years were were despondent, were so heartbroken that they couldn't go to the bit to they couldn't go to the Yerushalayim, they couldn't go to Israel. Now we have it on a silver platter and we don't go. Why? There are, obviously, there are reasons to go. You know, you need to have everyone on board, your children, your spouse. You have to figure it out monetarily. You have to figure it out job-wise and safety-wise and yada, yada. Of course, of course, of course. But we have to long to be there. Understand this is not the right place to be in exile. This is not where we belong. This is not where we're supposed to be. We should realize where we're supposed to really live and how to live, getting away from the strangeness of secular control, secular society, where they deem X, Y, and Z is important, they deem all these things are important. If we realize what the fundamental elements, you think about Rabbi Rabbi Kelman's shear, Rabbi Lawrence Kelman has a beautiful shear about the explanation of Xmas and New Year's, it was a really horrible thing, the Saturnalia, a terrible time, there there was like un, un unfiltered, Laws. There was no laws. There was corruption and crime and and terrible depravity during that time. And that's the time that people laud Happy New Year, Happy Xmas. Very bad things. It's very strange if we would stop and think about what these quote unquote holidays really represent. We have to understand that the culture around us, with its holidays, its customs and beliefs, are very strange and should be very strange to us. We must stick to our own holidays. Our own traditions, our own way of life. Why do you run to anything else? We have amazing holidays, amazing calendar already embedded into our lives. We have such a beautiful way that the year is broken down. You start the year off in tshuva, looking towards the new year, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. You start the year off in joyfulness of of the Sukkot holiday. Then you move on to the year to look for hope, to banish the darkness, to find wonderful warmth in the dark days of our lives in Hanukkah. We move over to the joyfulness of Purim. And when we leave away our masks, we take away the masks and look for the true hidden underneath. And we move to Pesach, where we understand what real freedom is from the world and real freedom from crazy shackles around us. And then we move to Shavuot, celebrating the fact that we have the Torah, that we have this wonderful way of life. And we don't even have to run to those holidays. Just think about how every week we have the beautiful holiday of Shabbos and I call it a holiday on purpose. To me, holiday is a moed. It is a beautiful, beautiful aspect. The entire week we should live up for Shabbos. Some people want to get Shabbos over with. I just want it to be done. I want to get through it. We should really feel sad when Shabbos ends. My wife and I feel very sad when Shabbos ends. It's like a part of us leaves. There's a neshama yaseru that comes to us during Shabbos and we lose it at the end of Shabbos. We should feel like a part of us is lost. A part of us is gone and missing after Shabbos. That's why there's an element to light two candles after Shabbos from the Havdalah candle to try to extend Shabbos into the week, to try to hold on to Shabbos a little bit. Just like Hashem tries to hold on to us after Sukkot for that extra day, we should try to hold on to Shabbos for an extra moment. Don't run to finish Shabbos. So Shabbos finishes at 5.30. Will it kill you to keep Shabbos for an extra 10 minutes, an extra 15 minutes? Be sad to let it go. 
If somebody visited you, your dear, dear friend, your dear, dear relative, your dear, dear family member, wouldn't you ask for an extra few minutes? Wouldn't you want a few minutes? How strange it is that we're so keen to let Shabbos go. Shabbos to me is like a best friend. Shabbos is like a bride. We say, The kala, the bride of Shabbos with Hashem comes. We should not let it go so easily. We should hold on to it. It should be strange to us to have the rest of the week. We should feel me'ain olam haba, we say about Shabbos. We should feel like it's the pinnacle of the entire week. We should feel that this is the essence of our week, the essence of our existence, when we could learn a little bit, when we could daven a little more, when we could sing a little more, when we could have real menucha taguf, menucha tanefesh, sitting with our spouses, talking with our spouses, reading with our spouses, being involved in Torah and learning and singing. How strange that the society doesn't understand the beautiful idea of Shabbos, the beautiful element of the Sabbath, and how so many people had to lose their jobs, lo'olenu, in previous generations because they were Sabbath observants. How strange it is that people don't recognize the beauty that is Shabbos. We must stick to our traditions, our names, our lives, our clothing, our language, our culture, more than they did in Egypt. They were meritorious, some say, I don't know which commentators, because of three things they held on to. They distinguished themselves from the Mitzram. Their names, their dress, and their speech, I believe. Lashon Kodesh. they dressed like Jewish people, and they had Jewish names. Just those three things they held on to. Allah has come of a comma, how much more so we should try to keep those three things. It should seem foreign to us to dress like non-Jews, to talk like non-Jews, to to act like non-Jews, God forbid. It should seem strange to us to be involved in the ways of the non-Jews. It should be very ludicrous to us to be involved in such things in such ways. It should be very foreign to us, very strange. Who's the real stranger here? Who's the real Who is strange? Not us with our wonderful customs, our wonderful lives. Obviously, dress in a nice manner. You could dress in a good manner, in a work manner, in a manner that behooves us. But don't dress like a hullabaloo from Australia. Why are you doing that? Why are you dressing with with the with the rip shorts and the tank top? That's not an Evid Hashem. That's not a, a prince of Hashem or a princess of Hashem. Have the proper modesty. Have the proper decency. Dress like behooves a prince and a princess of Hashem. Act and talk in a way that behooves a real prince and princess of Hashem. No Talk in the right way. Use your Jewish name. Don't go by whatever name it is. Don't go by uh, Jake if your name is Yankee or Yaakov. Be proud in the name Yaakov. Be proud in the name whatever it is. Don't go by whatever it is. You can have a legal name or whatnot for different purposes, but be proud in your Jewish nickname. Be proud in your Jewish name. Be proud in the element that you are called and what your calling is. Look for the Pasuk, what your name stands for. Understand we should dress as prince and princesses of Hashem. Use our names as behooves us as Jewish people and the speech. Use Hebrew involved with the Lashon HaKodesh be involved with our tradition, our names, our culture, and our holidays, and no one else's. Obviously, when Dina de Machus, Dina, obviously when you're living in America, you're living in exile, and they have different holidays, or, or the like, or whatever, be involved in it, but don't, don't, 
be pulled into it. They might celebrate their things such as Shmaloween and, and, and Xmas and the like, but why are you being pulled into it? Obviously, make a Kiddush Hashem. Someone comes to your door, you could give them a piece of candy so they don't have to think, ah, that Jew on the block, he wouldn't even give me such a thing. You have to be a Kiddush Hashem, but don't be enwrapped in it and warped in it. Don't fall prey to the strangeness of their customs and their holidays. Don't get too comfortable in this land. This land should be strange to us. It should be foreign to us. We are strangers here. We are Gervatoshabanochimachem. This land is a land based on Christian values. I mean, it comes obviously from Judaic values, but it's not the way of the Torah. It's not a Torah-based land. It's not a Torah-based lifestyle. And even in our Eretz Yisrael, it's not to the point of where it was during David and, and where it would be with the Sanhedrin and during times of Mashiach and the base of Medosh. Obviously, it's much better than anywhere else. But we need to realize that we're strangers. We shouldn't get comfortable here. We should feel like we're strangers visiting waiting to come back to our land, the real place to live in Israel, in Eretz Yisrael. Avon Avinu said, and it's strange to think that because Avon was living in Israel already, but he didn't have the Kedias, he didn't have the settlement, the settling of the land. How interesting, in 1948, we were given the beautiful miracle to resettle, reestablish the beautiful state of Israel. Avram didn't have that all the way back then. He was a Gervasoshev. And even now, of course, we're still strangers to the fact that we don't have the base of Migdash, that we don't have the existence. It's interesting to note, there was a beautiful story I heard on maybe Tishabov that there was somebody teaching Ethiopians who came back to the land of Israel and they were flabbergasted and dumbfounded that there was no base of Migdash because they were cut off from all society, they had no technology, and they believed for 2,000 years that the base of Migdash was really there. They couldn't get there, they couldn't visit it, but they always longed for it. And when the news was broken to them that it was destroyed 2,000 years ago, they felt, excuse me, such heartbreaking sorrow, such heartbreaking pain that you could feel their love for the base of Migdash. We all should be Zohar on some level to feel what it's like to actually lose out on the base of Migdash. They understood from their ancestors what it was like, what it felt like, what it really maintained and symbolized. We should think about how we don't have it, how strange it is not to have Hashem's presence fully present with us. Understand not to get too comfortable in these lands of exile. This is only a journey. This is only a visit. Like the People in the desert, they had 40 years of traveling till they finally came to Israel. We should realize however many years we're in exile, this is not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in Eretz Yisrael. We should feel strange in this land, not complacent in this land. Even if you have a beautiful community, a beautiful shul, it's still only the tip of the iceberg of what you could really have, living and breathing, the soil, the, the wonderful air of Eretz Yisrael, where every Dalit almost is a mitzvah. And if Hashem brings Mashiach and the base Megdash speedily in our days, we should be in the center. We should be in the arena. Why would we want to be a bystander from the sidelines in this audience stand when we could be in the arena being part of the actual events itself, being privy to what's going on in real time. Would you ever want to be on the sideline if there's an amazing effect happening on your family? Would you want to be on the side if a joyous reunion is happening between long-lost cousins? Would you want to be in Argentina when it's happening in the middle of Israel? Do you want to be where it's happening? When the events unfold in Mashiach, we should be there. We should be involved and we should see it with our own two eyes instead of hearing about it. Come back. Understand the real place to live. 
understand Hashem's special providence on a land that is our own, Israel, where his full Ashkacha takes hold, and we are not strangers in their land. Avram and Sarah were wanderers in their travels, even though they were in the bay, in the wonderful land of Israel. But we have the ability in our own day not to wander, not to be foreign, not to be a stranger, but to live in our own land. Of course, I understand there are different circumstances. Your family, you have to get your spouse and your kids, and if you need your extended family or the like to agree and to go, and jobs have to be figured out, schooling has to be figured out, and the army and whatnot. But trying to have the passion, the longing to go there, to understand that that's where we belong, and, and to believe it in your heart and soul that we're missing something by not living there. Have the passion in your heart and soul to try to get there when you can, to have the understanding that this is not your land. Gullus is not your land. This is a strange existence. It's an exile. It's not where we're supposed to be. The Jewish way is to live in our own land, is not to be foreign, is not to be strange, is not to be a stranger to our own selves or to our own lives or to our own land, but to be real settlers in our own lives, in our own lands, which cannot happen unless we live in Eretz Yisrael, which should be Zohar to have Mashiach and the base major speedily in our days today. Torah.org points out in Parshas Akev, in Parak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Bet, where Eretz Yisrael is described in the Pasuk as a land that Hashem, your Elohim, seeks out. The eyes of Hashem, your Elohim, are always upon Him. From the beginning of the year to the year's end. Eretz Asher Tamid Enei Hashem Elokechaba. Mereshit Hashana Ad Acharit Hashana. Hashem is always looking, always watching the land of Israel. That's why it's so abominable where such corruption and such immorality could happen. God forbid, God forbid in the land, the land will have to spit them out because it's Hashem's land. It's a land that's supposed to be pure and holy. It cannot tolerate anything like that. That's the land we should be in. That's the land we should long to be in. The land where Hashem's eyes are always upon it. It doesn't say that about any other land in the entire world. Hashem's eyes are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the year's end. Rav David Cohen Shlita, Rosh Yeshiva of the Chavon Yeshiva in Yerushalayim writes, based on the writings of Rav Yitzchak Isaac Chaver, Rabbi of Suvalk, Lithuania, in 1789-1852, this comes from Torah.org, that this verse is explaining why Eretz Yisrael is the appropriate land for the Jewish people, and nowhere else. He writes, There's a fundamental difference between the seven commandments given to the Noahides, to given to the Noahide nations, the non-Jewish nations, they have the seven laws, and the six thirteen mitzvahs given to the Jewish people. The Noahide laws are meant to ensure that societies will be orderly and stable. The Mishra Perkyavos talks about if not for the government, man would swallow his friend alive. Mishra Perkyavos points out in chapter 3, we have to be grateful and understand to have a just society. Yes, you have to set up courts as one of the Noahide laws, but they're meant only that societies will be orderly and stable. But their observance or non-observance has no impact in the spiritual realms, which is not so the 613 mitzvahs. Whether or not we observe the mitzvahs has profound spiritual effects. For it determines how Hashem will direct His Hashkacha practice His divine providence. Hashkacha practice means that Hashem responds to our actions. 
good or bad, and that creation itself reacts positively or negatively to what we do, thus assisting us to perform mitzvot in the future or hindering our efforts to do so. Eretz Yisrael, the land which the eyes of Hashem are always upon, a land where the laws of nature hold less sway than in the rest of the world, is the place most suited to Hashkacha Pratis. That's from Mizmah Ladavid, Volume 1, 159 to 160. How amazing and awesome that Hashem has such providence, has such a beautiful land that is really ready and waiting for us, that is there for us. We have to understand that every other element, every other area on earth should feel strange to us. We should feel strange. We should feel distinguished and distinct. We should feel like we have to be an Orla Goyim because we're not like the Goyim. We have to feel how strange it is people are driving on Shabbos. How strange, of course... I'm, I'm not talking about the land that is perfect or whatever, and so I'm not going to get into that now, but at least in our exile, understand that there's no concept of Shabbos, how strange that is for non-Jewish people, people to be around us, that it's not a fully Jewish existence, and that there isn't Hebrew being spoken, and Chagin being held for the whole masses, and that people have all these crazy, weird, strange traditions, and strange customs, and holidays, and whatnot. How strange it is, and how strange it should feel for us, how we should feel so strange as a stranger in lands that are not our own. But we should also realize it goes a step further. Not just talking about strangers of ourselves, strangers in our lands, but to take care of the real strangers in our lives. We should also realize to take care of strangers. And that doesn't mean just the stranger, someone who waddles into your community, doesn't know where he's going, but it means anyone who feels strange on any level because something is lacking or something is missing. Maybe somebody was really just, Mikarov was just become a gear and he feels so strange to our way of life. Bring him in. Someone who's a yasam, God forbid, lost a parent, he feels strange, he's lacking stability in his life, he's lacking a parent, bring him in. A widow, a widower, or somebody who's poor, Anybody who's lacking something, they're lacking stability, they're lacking something, something detrimental, sad, happened, lol, anyway, we should never know from such things, we must take them in. Learn from Avam and Sarah, her nefesh, asher asu becharam, they took the, the people with them, they took in the people. They understood, and we have to understand to take care of all strangers, especially if we ourselves feel stranger, what to do about it, how to go about our lives. Avam and Sar were strangers in their own life. We were strangers in the land of Egypt. We have to take care of those who are lacking in anything in their life and they feel strange in society if they don't have a parent or a spouse. They don't have money. They don't have a home. They don't have a job. We have to help them. Make sure to help in any way. Especially now in 2020, we live in such crazy, such strange times. There feels like so much has to him, so much of Hashem hiding Himself, we need to bring Him out by doing wonderful things, wonderful chesed, wonderful Torah, wonderful mitzvahs. We must exert ourselves to not live in a stranger, foreign way to Judaism and to help those around us. Don't be a stranger to the stranger amongst you. Don't be strange to those who feel strange in their lives and need your help. Help all those around us. Look at what the Torah says so many times about helping out those around us. In Shemot, Chav Gimotet, it talks about not oppressing a stranger, for you know the feelings of the stranger. You yourself were a stranger in the land of Egypt. Devar points out in Chav Dal, you shall not subvert the rights of the stranger or the fatherless. 
You shall not take a widow's garment in pawn. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt that Hashem redeemed you from there. The Ram also points out in Chavzayin Yutet, Cursed be he who subverts the rights of the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and the people say, Amen. And, and Taylor points out, Hashem watches over the stranger. He gives courage to the orphan and the widow, but makes the path of the wicked torturous, because we need to take care of everyone around us, especially the strangers amongst us, in our midst, those who feel like strangers for whatever reason. We're actually supposed to care for those even more than our friends, even helping those we call, i.e. enemies. Again, that term I don't like, I like, thinking of people I like less than others, as my dad once pointed out. The Torah implores us in Shemot Chaf Pasig, Chaf Gimel Dal, I mean Chaf Gimel Pasig Dal, when you come across your enemy's ox or donkey, any animal wandering away in the field, you shall not seek to hurt your enemy by leaving the animal to get lost. You shall bring it back. And then it says in the next Pasig, when you see the donkey of your enemy lying under its burden with refrain from raising it, you must nevertheless raise it with him. And I believe if you're challenged with helping your enemy, quote-unquote, or a stranger, or your friend, who do you think you have to help first? You help the stranger first. You help the quote-unquote enemy first. Because that goes against your natural feelings. It's easy to want to turn away a stranger. It's easy to want to turn away your enemy. It's easy to want to help your friend more than anyone else. But you can't do that. You must take care of everyone in your midst. Going above and beyond just the idea of us feeling strange in the land, how to go about our wanderings, but taking care of any stranger in our lives. Restore the strangers to us, following the way of Avraham. He ran, just last week or, or two weeks ago, he ran to help the three strangers during his most painful day of recovery, the Brismila, the third day, and it was the hottest day in history, probably. It says, Hashem made the day so, so, so hot that not a single traveler would go because he didn't want Avram to exert himself, but Avram still went above and beyond going to help complete strangers. Because so great is Hachmasas Orchem, so great is helping the strangers amongst us, we must do it as much as we can. Rashi, excuse me, points out, I am a stranger and an inhabitant with you. I am a stranger from another land. I have settled amongst you. This is how we should feel in our own lives, in our own existence, in the lands of exile. Consequently, Rashi points out, I have no ancestral burial plot there. And the Medrash Agada points out, in Barachas Rabbah, if you're willing to send me burial property, I am a stranger. But if not, I will be as an inhabitant, and I will take it legally. For the whole one blessed be said to me, to your seed I will give this land. This land is our land, talking about Israel. The Labavitcher Rebbe points out, the Jew is a resident in the world. For the Torah instructs him not to escape the physical reality, but to inhabit it and elevate it. Virtually all the mitzvahs of the Torah are physical actions involving physical objects in keeping with the Jew's mission to make a dwelling for God in the material realm by sanctifying the everyday materials of everyday life. At the same time, as we pointed out throughout the whole DT today. The Jew feels himself and should feel himself a stranger in the material world and a stranger in the lands of exile. His true home is a higher, loftier place, the world of spirit, the world of holiness and godliness from which his soul has been exiled. And I would say his body has been exiled, his existence was exiled from the land of Israel, but now we should go back. We should want to go back. And to which it yearns to return. Indeed, it is only because the Jew feels himself a stranger 
danger in the world that he can avoid being wholly consumed and overwhelmed by it and maintain the spiritual vision and integrity required to elevate it and sanctify it as an ability for the divine presence. We have to understand that we're a stranger to the material world. The spiritual world is where we're supposed to go. What we're supposed to do, we should feel a stranger to the lands outside of Israel, stranger to the customs, the practices, and all the craziness that those around us do. That's not what we're supposed to do. The Mishnah of Pekka Elvis 4.16 talks about that this world is a lobby before the Olam Haba. Prepare yourself in the lobby so you may enter the banquet hall. Similarly, the Talmud says this world is like the eve of Shabbat and the Olam Haba is like Shabbat. Shabbos. He who prepares on the eve of Shabbat, on the eve of Shabbos, will have food to eat on Shabbos. We prepare ourselves for the Olam Haba through Torah study and good deeds. Understanding where we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to live. Understanding what's really strange to us. What really is a stranger? Who really is a stranger to us? Pekavos also teaches us one hour of bliss in the world to come is better than all the life in this world. One hour of truth and good deeds in this world is better than all the life in the world to come. What are we doing in this world? Do we understand what's really strange? Do we understand what's really foreign? Or is it so embedded and enmeshed in us we can't even understand? We just want to have a good time. A New Year's and Xmas. I'm not getting anything out of this. Understand why it's so corrupt and so morally decrepit. And understand why it's so debased to be involved in these things. Understand what the history is. Go listen to Rabbi Kellerman's beautiful sheer explaining what Xmas and New Year's means. Understand what the Saturnalia was for hundreds of hundreds of years. How devastating it was. How destructive it was what they did to Jewish people. Understand what it means to be strange. Avram and Sarah were strangers even in their own land. But now we understand, be a stranger, understand what it means to be a stranger in the land you're living in, and try to get to the real land, Eretz Yisrael, and live in the way, the real way, that nothing will feel strange to you. The Lakute de Boim points out the story is told of a visitor who, stopping by the home of the great Hasidic master of Adov Bear of Mezrich, was outraged by the poverty he encountered there. Rabbi Dover's home was bare of all furnishings, save for an assortment of rough wooden planks and blocks that served as benches for his students during the day and as beds for his family at night. I think the story is also told about the Chavitz Chaim, maybe. How can you live like this, demanded the visitor. I myself am far from wealthy, but at least in my home you will find, thank God, the basic necessities, some chairs, a table, beds. Indeed, said Rabbi Dover, but I don't see any of your furnishings. How do you manage without them? So the visitor responds, What do you mean? Do you think that I slip all my possessions along with me wherever I go? When I travel, I make do with what's available. But at home, a person's home is a different matter altogether. Ah, yes, said Rabbi Dovber. At home, it is a different matter altogether. When we're traveling on the way, when we're traveling through this world, what do we really need? What is really important? What should seem foreign to us? What should seem strange to us? What should seem so different to us that it's not part of our lexicon, that it's not part of our existence? This whole world, the the illusory nature of this world is so powerful and so corrupting this society makes you want to get more and more materialism, but you come into this world with hands clenched, you want to get as much as you can, but realize that for 120, nothing's coming with you. Your hands are open, your palms are open, you can't take anything with you except 
the good name you made for yourself. Pekelvis points out, except you could take the good deeds, the Torah, the mitzvos, with you, and hopefully the wonderful deeds you've left behind. We're a stranger in this land of this Olam Hazeh. We're a stranger for sure in the lands of exile. We must live like that, understand what's going on. Understand that we have to do say little and do much. Understand what we're supposed to do. People act like strangers to us, making us feel strange when we live Torah, Mitzvah, Chesed, but they're the ones that are really strange. Understand we are strangers in the world, strangers in the land of exile. Remember how to really live. Understand the culture around us with these holidays are really, really strange. Stick with your traditions in the Jewish faith. Stick with our holidays, our our culture, our dress, our names, and our speech. Don't be a stranger to the real Jewish way of life. Don't get comfortable in this land. Feel that you're just visiting, waiting to come back to the real place to live in Eretz Yisrael, where Hashem has a special providence, where Hashem's Eine Hashem Tamid Elokechaba. Eine Hashem Tamid Excuse me, where Hashem is always looking and always having more providence for us. Avram saw we're wanderers. We too are wandering until we make it back to the place we're supposed to live. Come back. Come back to me now, the famous song goes, Aliyah. Understand what the Jewish way really is, not to be foreign or strange. Understand the land is the 613 can really be done. Real Understand what it means not to feel strange, not to be strange, not to live in such a strange time or strange way. Understand to take care of the strangers amongst us. Take care of anyone who feels strange in any way. And understand to help those even that you might not want to help to begin with. Understand where we're supposed to settle. Understand we're a resident in this world. we got to do the spiritual, not the material that the world wants you to feel. Secular tries to pull you. Understand we're a stranger to the material, but we must be really involved in the loftier, the spiritual, and really involved in the right things so you could take the actions with you in this lobby to the Olam Haba, prepare an Arab Shabbos in this world for the next world, understand where to live, how to live, what to take with you, Torah, Mitzvahs, and Chesed, because that's what we could do in this world. We're only traveling for 120 years, may we be Zoha to use these years wisely, not to feel strange in our own life, in our own land, but to feel complacent and proper, full of Torah, Chesed, and Mitzvahs in the right land for us, Eretz Yisrael, to be involved, not in a strange way, in a proper way, and to be involved in the Torah way every single day. Join us next time as we talk the audio DT with Reb T, and I'm your host, Reb T.